0: This is Chatterstorm, our Magic the Gathering podcast. But we do go off topic quite a lot, so it's not just Magic the Gathering.
1: You can catch us weekly for new episodes, and if you like what we do, follow us on Twitter at ChatterstormPod.
0: Welcome back to Chatterstorm. I am Josh, and I am hosting this week's episode. I'm here with Sarah. Say hello. Hello. (laughs) And uh, I'm here with Sam. Say hello, Sam.
1: Some, um, I know that you think the podcast is mainly about you, but Sam right. is not actually yes. here. No,
0: you're right. Sam, uh, Sam actually isn't here today. <laughs> um, he is not feeling very well uh, again, so we're sending him our still prayers and love.
1: I think "still" sounds a bit nicer than "again." <laughs> oh, again. Yeah.
0: <again. laughs> <laughs> he's not. He's, he's not feeling yeah, super great. He will well. be back, uh, but yeah, he, he's off again this week, which means that you get. Uh, to spend some more time with just Josh and Sarah, uh, <laughs> lucky you. What? And so, the plan for today's episode mm-hmm. is we are going to go through EDH deck compositions, uh, which should give you a very generic marker or or template for any EDH decks that you want to build. Because mm-hmm. building and playing around with EDH decks is super fun. And of course, every deck is different and every deck has different requirements, but we're going to go through the generic template for a deck that you can use as a reference for when you're building your decks.
1: Mm-hmm. We should say as well, generic template from the command zone, which is as good as anything I believe personally, but mm-hmm. it's you may find, and we did actually, in doing a bit of research for this, various different ones. And I think this one is the most spot on. Yeah. Um, The most generic as well, which is the point. Because like you said, all decks are different lands, for example. No, lands probably a bad one. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Some decks need less lands. It
0: can depend a lot. Like, different play groups have uh, different attitudes towards commander, mm-hmm. different rule zeros and custom house rules. And so it's really hard to... Commander is a casual format and it's really yeah. hard to pin down what works. Like, if you were to use this generic composition it doesn't fit every casual player group because of custom rules and stuff mm-hmm. and it doesn't fit edh competitive either it like a competitive edh deck will never sit in this generic composition because
1: um, it doesn't want to be generic it, yeah, right it, yeah yeah it's it uh, so, going to be way more focused i suppose
0: yeah this is a place to start for any decks that you throw together Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely not a place to finish. No. So what we're going to do is go through each different element that you want to make sure that your EDH deck includes, the number of cards that you want to fill that slot, and then we're going to talk... Uh, and again, yeah, th- these figures are taken from the Command Zones yes. generic template. We're going to talk about whether we, in our personal experience, think that we we agree with what the Command Zone is saying. Mm-hmm. And we have also analysed our personal top... Most powerful decks, yeah. Um, and we're gonna have a look at how many cards for each role we have uh, to see how closely those decks fit with the generic composition. Mm-hmm. And if it's pretty close, then it's a pretty good sign that this composition makes sense. Yeah. So. Uh, Let's jump into it. Sarah, do you wanna go through what the generic composition from the command zone looks like?
1: Yes, there is one more note I would like to make just in case people are gonna be writing these down and adding them up. Uh, It's not gonna add up to 100. So for example, uh, one of the categories is ramp, but you can have a spell that ramps you that also draws you a card, which is another one of the categories. So they don't need to add up to 100. It's actually better, I would say, The higher the number, because that means your cards are doing multiple things, yes. Which is a good thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. What you'll quickly find if you're fairly new to EDH is that um, you a hundred cards is not as much as it it sounds. Yeah. And you will be fighting for spots. Mm -hmm. And if you're really new to EDH. Well, you can't have more than 100 cards. It's I was not legal.
1: Is this gonna be some shade about Taser? <laughs>
0: um, so you have to have exactly 100 cards. You are gonna be fighting for those spots. Mm-hmm. And cards that can overlap and perform multiple functions are really nice and efficient. It's gonna allow you to free up more spots and give you more options. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, when we go through these, there is going to be uh, a good degree of overlap and it's gonna add up to more than 100. And actually, the more things or the the higher the number of each thing that you have the better uh but the generic composition is going to kind of give you an indication of what the balance should be at a minimum yes so should we jump into it
1: yeah so first on the list as i already said uh is ramp which is essentially just giving you more mana i think you told me that it maybe stands for something uh rapid artificial mana production?
0: That's correct. Oh, yeah.
1: 10 points for me.
0: Um, That's not confirmed. That's, no. <laughs> that's uh, but a, a community it, acronym.
1: But it makes sense. That mm-hmm. is essentially what it is. It is giving you more mana. So every turn you can play one mana. Anything that allows you to play more than one mana or gives you access to more than one mana is ramp. That's mm-hmm. what I would say.
0: Yeah, that's correct. If, if it gives you if playing that spell means that you will have more mana than you would by just playing an untapped land every turn, then it is ramp.
1: Mm -hmm. And the guide for this one is 10 to 12. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What do you think about that?
0: I actually think that that is um, pretty spot on. Mm -hmm. Ramp is really really good in commander and one of the... um, uh, so what ramp allows you to do is play more spells and play your big spells more quickly. Mm-hmm. So there are a few it, like really core cool tenets of game theory that, um, that you have to think about when you think about whether ramp is good or not. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those is the player that can do more things in a game is more likely to win. Yeah, um, and also the player that can do the thing that they want to do more quickly than the other players is more likely to win. Mm-hmm. Ramp allows you to do both of those things. It allows you to in some cases do a powerful thing more quickly um, and in other cases do more powerful things because you have more mana to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Magic is designed so that the amount of mana that you have access to is a bottleneck for your performance in the game, yeah. ramp widens that bottleneck. And that's why it's so powerful and it is super important. In my Flickr deck, I play nine pieces of ramp, uh, which is on the light side. Um, so 10 to 12 is the recommendation. Mm-hmm. And I think that nine is on the light side. Uh, but what you have to remember with my Flickr deck is that Uh, all of my ramp is in the form of enter the battlefield effects stapled to creatures, and I have lots of ways to exile those creatures and bring them back to the battlefield. So if I have a creature that can ramp on ETB on the battlefield, then essentially every single one of my flicker spells becomes a ramp spell. So I can get away with a little bit less because I'm able to repeat... Uh, yeah, repeatedly get the value from that card. Mm-hmm. So I do think that ten to twelve is uh, about right. I think that's a good starting spot. I think I can get away with a little bit less uh, because I can I can recur the value.
1: Yeah. How about getting away with a lot less, like four, which is apparently why I have in taser. <laughs>
0: um, four is a lot less.
1: <laughs> it's a lot uh,
0: less. And so the tricky thing with ramp is that you could have zero ramp in your deck and it will perform fine. Yeah. If you are getting lands, then you're just playing honest magic, basically. Yeah. However, it kind of comes back to those core tenets of game theory. If you are not... Like, if everybody else is ramping, it's kind of an arms race. Yeah. If everybody else is doing more ramp than you are, then you're just gonna be further behind and you are less likely to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you can get away with less ramp if you are playing in a particularly casual or slow kind of playgroup. group. Mm-hmm. But uh, I-, I do think that four is probably too little and if you were to triple the amount of ramp in your deck, I think you'd find that it performs better and more quickly. Yeah. But that but the, the, the thing with ramp is that it is easy to, when you're making cuts, if you have a really high impact card, take out a ramp spell and put in your high impact finisher or whatever. Because no matter how much ramp you cut, your deck will still work.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, It's hard to notice the improvement that ramp can give you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's very tempting to cut ramp spells, but I, I really do think that 10 to 12 is 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 a nice recommendation and i think that the difference between 12 ramp spells and 4 ramp spells would will be huge i think that could really uh make your deck run much more smoothly than uh, than it, like if you had a little more ramp in there
1: yeah well so do you think it's any different for different colors because like you just said there about and i don't think i've necessarily ever cut out a ramp spell for a finisher, maybe I have, but all of my ramp. One of them is Priest uh, of the Forgotten God- Gods, which when you uh, tap her, you get a few things. But one of the things you get is two black mana. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's in a way repeatable ramp, right? Well, yep. it always repeatable ramp. That's not mm-hmm. a question. Um, the other three are just mana rocks, and I think I did have more mana rocks in Taser that. I took out because I just didn't really feel like they were necessary. I, don't, I obviously would have taken them out to replace them with something, but I think it was more about, this isn't really doing anything for me.
0: Well, that's the tricky thing, because they're not necessary. Yeah. Uh, they do improve the deck massively, big time, but mm-hmm. they're not absolutely critical to the running of the deck. Um, and that makes them easy cuts for, if I can say so, easy cuts for inexperienced deck builders. But actually, Ooh,
1: shade. <laughs>
0: you, you've got to be, uh, you, you've got to take ramp seriously. Ramp yeah. is very powerful.
1: I think as well, you take it more seriously uh, when you come across issues with your mana. Mm. So to talk about another one of my decks really quickly, Atraxa, which is four colour. I built that entirely by myself uh, for the first time ever building a deck. And I really struggled with it being four colours. So I made the conscious effort to put more ramp spells in, and it performs way better now. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever really had that problem with Taser, which is why... Like, 4, looking at it now, when it says it should be 10 to 12, seems really low. But I am trying to think of times when I would have wanted... I mean, you're always going to want more mana, right? It's never about, well, that's not true. You could be mana flooded. But typically, you're never going to be upset about having more mana but what i'm saying is it i don't know maybe it doesn't it doesn't feel as necessary in taser
0: what you've got to ask uh and it takes a conscious effort to assess whether you need more ramp but what you've got to ask is next time you play a game at the end of each turn you have to think why have i stopped doing things Mm. is it because i'm out of cards in my hand because Mm -hmm. then you need more card advantage is it because i'm out of mana because then you need more ramp um And that's how you can tell. You have to do everything you can do in your turn and Mm -hmm. then ask, why am I not doing more?
1: But sometimes... What if it's none of those things? Because I get what you're saying. Yeah, then
0: it will be something else.
1: But does that have to be a bad thing? Because you have five, six cards in your hand at any given time, right? When you're in a game, let's say. I don't think you should be using all of those cards every turn. I don't think that would be a good thing, actually. So... Whilst you may be stopping because you have no manner or whatever, but what's the problem with stopping? If you're stopping, if you're if you have more stuff to do and you can't mm-hmm. because you don't have any manner, that's different. But I feel like you were saying generally, why are you stopping? But you could just stop because it's the right thing to do,
0: yeah. So, of course, situationally, mm-hmm. um, you it might like you might just not have anything else to do, but it comes back to those core tenets of game theory that I mentioned earlier. Uh, the The rule of thumb is that the player who does the most things in a game is more likely to win. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if you can do more things, i.e., play more spells, you are more likely to win. Okay. Um, and that is a very, very generic rule,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: it's an important lesson to remember.
1: Yeah. Okay. I think that's. Well, I think that's enough on ramp. Do you have anything else you think is important to cover?
0: Um. Yeah, so I, I want to quickly go through the colour pie oh, and yes. different ways that you can ramp very generically in different colours,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because every colour has access to all of these things we're going to go through, uh, but they look a little bit different. So if you're building a deck uh, and you're looking at adding ramp spells to it, then if you're looking at white, um, treasures are probably your best bet. Mm-hmm. There are a handful of cards that let you put additional planes onto the battlefield, but uh, treasures making treasures is is your best bet in white things like smothering tithe um and other cards that 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 generate treasures mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty difficult to ramp in white white is notoriously bad at ramping yeah and that's something you have to accept
1: well that's what I was gonna say is also in all of these I think there'll be ones that do it better green yes, is green is the best at ramp like I think mm-hmm. there were just cards ramp cards that if you're in green they just go in every single deck because why wouldn't they? Whereas I can't think of a white card. I mean, Smothering Tide maybe, but that you would put in in every white deck just because it ramps you.
0: Yeah, uh, th- there are a couple that are very good. But yeah, so green has spells, sorceries and instants that let you put extra lands onto the battlefield. Yeah. It has enchantments and creatures that let you play additional lands each turn. Or
1: they tap for mana, the creatures
0: yeah, it has mana dorks, which are creatures that actually tap and add mm-hmm. mana. Um, green has loads uh, of different types of ramp, but that's the kind of stuff you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Creatures that tap for mana uh, and spells that play ad- put additional lands into play. Yeah. Um, in red, you can often make a lot of treasures. Um, and red actually, very generically, again, uh, gets around the mana ramp problem in two very interesting ways. Mm -hmm. One, it plays very aggressively. Yeah. If you have a cheaper deck, you do not need to ramp as much and you don't need as much ramp. But if you are playing big red and you need red ramp, then what you can look at is things like Runaway Steamkin and um, Neheb, which generate red mana uh, or, or things like, I mean, I guess Kaikar generates a lot of red mana. Yeah. Storm Kiln Artist is a, mm-hmm. another example that makes makes treasures in red. Uh, but there are a few red cards that will make floating red mana um, mm-hmm. that will disappear at the end of the phase. Uh, but that that's kind of something you can look for in red. Also, treasures are another good way to make stuff in red. Um, in blue, blue is also fairly tricky with ramp, but the clever way that blue gets around it is by reducing the cost of spells. Mm -hmm. So in blue, there are quite a few ways to make instants or sorceries or maybe blue spells cost one or two or whatever less to cast. And that is kind of like reverse ramp. It's effectively ramp. It it achieves the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finally, in black... uh, Black's good at adding floating mana as well. Black's good at making treasures as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are things like Cabal Coffers is premium black ramp, Mm -hmm. which adds a bunch of um, of, of floating black mana. Dark Ritual is one black to add three black, but it's a one-off. But a lot of black's ramp revolves around um, creature sack or paying a cost. So black does a similar thing to red and white and, and stuff like that, but there's normally an additional cost. You're normally discarding cards, paying life or sacrificing creatures to get your ramp. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of an additional cost, which makes ramp a little bit more painful in black. But there are often ways that you can make it better. And your Taser Karl of decks a really good example because you want to sacrifice creatures. Yes. So buy... Um, by changing your game plan so that you want to sacrifice creatures, then uh, it doesn't feel as much of a cost. Yep. And let's say you make a deck where you want to discard a card uh, or mill cards off the top of your library. Uh, then you can use those costs and turn them into advantages. And then certain cards can be just pure upside. And that's how you kind of get around the weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You have to be a little bit creative in some colors to achieve certain things. Uh, and as we go through this list, we will talk about the color pie and about certain things to keep an eye out for in different colors to achieve certain things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. okay, so moving on to the next one. So this one you've kind of modified a little bit. So I have, yeah, on the command zone, they called it specifically card draw, which I would say is simply, Drawing more than the one card you get to draw on your upkeep. So that will typically be from either playing an instant or sorcery that lets you draw cards or having creatures that let you draw or enchantments that let you draw an additional card on your upkeep, etc. etc. You've kind of modified this a little bit to also include what you called card advantage. Um, And you can jump in if I'm explaining it wrong, but one example you gave to me was getting a creature back from your graveyard. Mm -hmm. So you've already played it and it's died or whatever so it's in the graveyard and you get it back to your hand or back to your battlefield. So it's not card draw because it's not a new card but you are getting that card back so it's card advantage.
0: Yes so uh, ramp lets you have more mana to play spells. Mm -hmm. Card advantage lets you have more spells to spend your mana on. Yes. That's the way that I would look at it Um, and I think that card like card draw is a type of card advantage Mm -hmm. but not so all card draw is card advantage, not all card advantage is card draw. Yes. Card advantage is a bigger umbrella term for a bunch of other stuff like um, uh, like graveyard recursion. Mm-hmm. Um, and scrying is not card advantage, but it can be card selection, which can kind of be like half card advantage.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um,
0: so I would consider scrying to be a form of card advantage in a way as well. Um, Each colour does this a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's... like I I would say that card draw itself is probably uh, a fairly blue mechanic. Yes. Like blue decks... Blue has access to tons and tons of card draw, infinite amounts. Um, And that is how blue does card advantage. Mm -hmm. But something like uh, red... Red is really bad at card draw. But what red is good at is exiling cards off the top of your library which you can then play Mm -hmm. either that turn or the next turn and that's not card draw but it is basically card draw
1: yeah it's card draw with a downside because typically those things will be Mm -hmm. until your next turn and you have to have the man to play them etc etc so you'll put four cards into exile and you can play as many of them as you can pay for before your or by the end of your next turn right yeah which is not as good as
0: just objective just card in draw. your
1: hand yeah. because then that's yours effectively
0: yeah but it's still pretty it's, yeah decent.
1: it's still it's not bad
0: um uh in black for example let's say you've got it, the ability to play things from the graveyard in mm-hmm. black then milling cards off the top of your library is basically as good as drawing a card yeah uh, because you can just you can just play it from there, so that is card advantage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it has you know other upsides and downsides, but it's all card advantage. Um, in green, so I think that what I would say in green is that you have cards like Beast Whisperer and Guardian Project, mm-hmm. where you can draw a card. Oh, and Great Henge, yes, uh, where you can draw cards as a uh, as an additional effect for playing a creature, yeah. So it still comes back to having lots of creatures to play, mm-hmm. um, and then each creature you play is drawing you some some cards. Um, also, things like um, Return of the Wild Speaker, which draws you a number of cards equal to the highest t- uh, power of, of creatures you control. Mm-hmm. Which so it all ties to your creatures. Um, green is very creature synergistic so yeah if you're in green look at cards that reward you for playing creatures and Mm -hmm. then let you draw cards off of that yeah um white card draw again quite difficult yeah um like white is notoriously bad at card draw uh
1: oh i'm sensing a theme yeah
0: yeah white white's pretty bad
1: (laughs) white is notoriously bad i think is just a sentence we could say yes that would, would be accurate and um Green is probably the best.
0: Green is very, very strong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, green has access to a bunch of different stuff. Uh, white is, like, it's trickier. But if you are looking for card draw in white, um, there are only really exceptional cards that I can think of. Things like um, Esper Sentinel. Yeah. But that is the only one of its kind. And so...
1: What about Mentor of the Meek?
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, you've got Mentor of the Meek. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Mentor of the Meek allows you to draw cards when you play small creatures. Um, yeah,
1: creature with power 2 or less, mm-hmm. If and you have to pay 1 mana. So you play the creature that has power 2 or less, and then you pay 1 mana and you can draw a card. So it is It's a very situational. It's not straight up. Well, I mean, it is straight up card draw, but it's situational because it has to have less than 2 power, and you have to have 1 mana to pay for it as well.
0: Yeah, so white, I think... Um, I think white generates card advantage by actually making tokens is is your best way to do it.
1: Okay, Making
0: tokens is not exactly card advantage. Um, no, actually, I I disagree with what I've said there. I've changed my mind.
1: Yeah, because I was thinking, but then, for example, in my deck, which is Sacrifice, yes, I do get a token, and I get two because of Taser, but objectively it would be replacing one for another, which isn't card advantage, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if you... Actually, on that, just a quick question. If you played a spell that drew you one card, is that card advantage?
0: Yes, because the, most spells don't draw you a card. So, those are called cantrips, where Mm -hmm. they just replace themselves in your hand. Okay. But they are card advantage, because playing spells is something you're going to do anyway. Yeah. um, And if it draws you a single card, then that is card advantage. Okay. You're drawing... So, any card advantage is having access to more spells to play than the normal drawing one card per turn. Mm-hmm. So if you can play spells from your graveyard, then you've got access to more spells than the one that you draw each turn. Yes. So just like Ramp, if you can do better than one new spell per turn, that's card advantage.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Continue.
0: Actually, it's probably more like um, 0.7 new spells per turn because you're drawing lands off the top as well.
1: Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. And
0: that's why Scrying can almost add up to card advantage because if you can scry enough that you guarantee uh that you get a new spell to play every turn then you're doing you, then you let's say you because you're scrying you're actually getting uh 0. 0.9 spells per turn
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know uh, in, in, in 10 turns you will get nine spells and draw one land yeah then you are doing better than 0. 0.7 and so you have a little bit mm-hmm. more card advantage than the average deck yes um so in my flicker deck I... I don't
1: actually think we've said did we say I don't think we said how many is the generic composition. I think we jumped oh, straight we into the colour pie.
0: Yeah. Well, I've got it written down here as 10. <laughs> Me too. Um, so you want... Well, the command zones say 10 sources of card draw. Uh, so it's probably more if we're talking about card advantage because it's a larger umbrella. Yes. And that fits in with what I've got. Um, so I make 15 sources of card advantage in my Flicker deck.
1: Same for Taser.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it could be that, uh, and this is a slight adjustment to the generic template. Yeah. Uh, you probably want, let's say, 10 to 15 sources of card advantage.
1: Mm-hmm. How much of yours is straight up card draw as defined by the command zone, just out of interest?
0: Uh, 12.
1: Okay, so yours 12, is
0: 12. Yeah, 12 cards give me um, direct card draw mm-hmm. or. Um, oh yeah, yeah, directly draw cards off the top of my library. And then an additional six give me either recursion or scrying or something like that. And I count that, those six cards, as a half each.
1: Okay, good, because I was just about to say, oh, everyone's thinking Josh can't count.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, so I count them as three. Mm -hmm. And that is because whilst... um, So if you're playing in a mill-heavy deck, then being able to play from your graveyard, milling off the top is just as good as drawing. Yeah. In my deck, I'm not actually milling myself ever. Yeah. Uh, What I have to do for my graveyard recursion to be good is play spells. And so there's a condition that has to be met. Okay. And it's harder for me to meet, so I count it as a half. Uh, Like, my cards that let me recur things from the graveyard are no good unless I've played spells into the graveyard in my deck.
1: Which is more difficult for
0: you. Yes, because it's more difficult, I count it as a half. Mm -hmm. And then I've got cards that scry me and things like that, uh, let me scry, uh, which I'm counting as halves as well.
1: Okay, so based on that, I haven't done any halves. So I've got 10 that are just straight up card draw, and then I've got 5 card advantage, which is pretty much entirely made up of recurring stuff from the graveyard because I'm in a sacrifice deck. So I would count those as 5, not 2.5, as you've done with your stuff, because mm. my deck wants stuff in the graveyard. Yeah,
0: your deck puts stuff in the graveyard. Yeah,
1: it's, it's the point. So, yeah, would you say that's correct? Yes, that, that, okay. I'd say so. So... We've done the color pie. So moving on to the next one, uh, which is targeted removal, which is essentially removal that you get to pick what it hits. Mm -hmm. It's a really simple way I would describe it as opposed to a board wipe or something. So it can be removing one creature, which, or one permanent, I should say, which I think is typically what it is. When I think of targeted removal, I typically think of removing this one threat, but you can also have things that remove uh, every artifact or three artifacts whatever, and that would still be targeted removal because you're targeting.
0: I think if we're looking at it semantically, every artifact would not be targeted removal because you're not targeting. That's true. Uh, Whereas three artifacts, you have to pick three targets, so that is targeted removal.
1: Okay. So yeah, that's true. Well, I don't know what if you want to target all the artifacts, then it's targeted removal. Yeah,
0: if you're targeting them, <laughs> then they count.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I would say you're more. It's more likely to be like you can remove three artifacts than remove all artifacts. I think. Yeah. But that yeah, in very simple terms, that is what targeted removal is. You pick the thing, or ideally things that you are removing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the. Generic composition for that is 10 to 12.
0: Yeah, and that includes uh, a wide breadth of uh, options as Mm -hmm. well. So you need to have targeted removal for enchantments, artifacts, creatures, maybe even think about lands and other kinds of permanents. Um,
1: (laughs) If you want to be a dick, think about lands.
0: (laughs) Um, Sometimes there are lands you need to answer.
1: This is true. Yeah, this is... Yes, there is true. But when you, as has happened to me before... Blow up someone's one planes. <laughs> yeah, that's just me. If,
0: if somebody's struggling with their colors and you <laughs> attack their lands for that reason, that is a dick move. But if you destroy someone's guy's cradle or mm-hmm. someone's field of ruin, then that's understandable. Yes. Um, so you, it, uh, yeah, I tend not to play much land destruction. Uh, I do play some because I think it's good to have the option. I was
1: going to say that you know the dick move example was you, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Uh, the more versatile your removal, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, cards that target any permanent are your absolute best option. Things like Assassin's Trophy destroys any permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got cards that give you a lot of flexibility. Uh, so Reclamation Sage lets you destroy an artifact or enchantment. Mm-hmm. Um, Acidic Slime lets you destroy an artifact, creature, or land, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and so cards that give you lots of options for your removal can target multiple different things. Mm -hmm. Those are good ones to go for because you do only have 10 to 12 slots to play with and you do want as much coverage as possible.
1: Yes. Uh, So in Taser, for example, I have 11 and I think that's to be expected because I would say black and white are the best ones for removal. Yes. Versus Ramp where I had four, where I would say black and white probably your least or white's not great at most things but (laughs) yeah i have 11 in taser because she's black white and you have access to so much removal in black and white white is typically exiling black is straight up dead in the graveyard type thing
0: yeah yeah absolutely white is the best color for exiling and prison effects yes Uh, white's really good at things like prison realm or conclave tribunal Imprisoning a card. Mm -hmm. Uh, Black is great at destroying creatures. Black's really, really good at destroying creatures.
1: Or destroying Um, anything. I wouldn't even say specifically creatures.
0: Well, yes. Well, black's good at destroying creatures or any permanent. Yeah. Um, But black is actually not very good at destroying artifacts and enchantments. Specifically. Okay. Um, Red and green, very good at destroying artifacts and enchantments. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, Blue is mm. uh, it's counter spells for blue. Yes, um, and it is. bouncing. So yes. you, bouncing any permanent with blue is pretty handy. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Not straight removal though, because they can play it again. They
0: can always play it again. It slows yeah. them down. Uh, counter spells are probably your best form of removal in blue. A little bit trickier to play than the others because you have to be able to react mm-hmm. to what your opponents are doing. You like you can only target the thing when it's on the stack. Yeah. Um, Blue has some tuck effects as well, like Ether Gust, which puts it back on top or bottom of the library. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, generally counter spells for blue. Um, there are plenty of destroy artifact enchantment spells in green and red. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're talking about creature removal, green has lots of fight spells. Yes, a creature of yours fights a creature of theirs. Red has lots of burn spells, dealing direct damage. Mm-hmm. Um, white's great at exiling and imprisoning things. Uh, Black is good at just straight up destroying creatures and at, um, uh, uh, at destroying any permanent. So black is the most flexible removal. Yes.
1: So on the subject of removal, the next one is board wipes, which typically destroy everything or destroy all creatures or... Well, I would say it's either everything or all creatures. I would say it's typically board wipes.
0: Yeah, I would say that destroying all artifacts and enchantments or all lands um, is not really a board wipe because board wipes need to deal with the creatures on the board most of the time.
1: Yes, but you can... And also with when I say destroy everything, I'm not including lands in that. So destroy everything as in enchantments, creatures, artifacts, etc. Not lands. I think you can destroy lands, but... I wouldn't...
0: Um, uh, we're not playing with you if you do.
1: Yeah, I was, I was trying to think of a way to be like, don't, don't destroy <laughs> all lands. Uh, yeah, so board wipes target everything, and the downside of that is they typically target you as well, which is why uh, the composition for that is three to four. Mm-hmm. There are board wipes that just target opponents, but there are a lot more that... Let's say it's creatures, just for this example, that would destroy all creatures on the battlefield. So that is typically a downside to you depending on the deck you play, which is why I'm actually quite surprised that I only have two in Taser, because I benefit from my creatures dying. Yeah. So I'm surprised that I have less than what is the generic guide. I would have thought I maybe would have had more.
0: Mm. Well, um, it's interesting that you say that because I think three to four is way too high. Oh, do you? Yeah, I do. I think that um, maybe in certain player groups, three to four is what you'd expect, but I don't have time to play a game where the board gets wiped (laughs) that, like (laughs) two or three times in one game. Yeah, okay. Um, In our games, I am kind of, I expect one, I expect a board wipe to happen 50% of the time. In a game,
1: yeah. Um,
0: if the board were wiped multiple times in a game, it would just drag on, and I don't like that at all. Uh, so, my decks, uh, or my Flicker deck in particular, my strongest deck, runs eleven targeted removal and two board wipes.
1: Okay, so maybe two is more.
0: And that is this online. is it. Well, this is a control deck,
1: yeah.
0: Um, where it's quite slow and it's quite grindy, and I need to make sure I survive. Mm-hmm. So I think that two board wipes is on the high end. So, um, do you
1: think that's? And I
0: would not play more than two, even. So this deck wants board wipes for that's sure.
1: What I was gonna say is that maybe why both of us are two because you are fine with board wipes because typically you can just flicker all your creatures first.
0: Yeah, I have a well, yes, and I have a control deck which um, does a lot better in the late game. So I need to get to the late game, and board wipes help me get there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think uh, one? then? Yes. For decks that don't benefit from a board wipe? I think
0: every deck should have a board wipe Mm -hmm. in there somewhere Um, and I think if you are a control deck then two but I wouldn't play more than that because board wipes are only fun in small amounts.
1: But you are right but one in a hundred cards, how often are you going to draw that? Because I kind of feel like with these, if you had four board wipes, you don't want to draw all four every game. You probably only want to draw one, mm-hmm. but you have four times as much chance of drawing one if you have four. So is one not enough because you're probably never going to draw it?
0: Well, it depends on the deck. Again, it's, it's really hard to say because it depends heavily on the deck Mm -hmm. if you're running tutors those tutors can be a copy of any card in your deck and so they can be a board wipe uh if you're drawing a lot of cards then you can get away with less Mm -hmm. um and so i don't think that you're just never going to draw your board wipe uh i think that maybe you don't draw it and that's fine Um, because board wipes are what I would consider a plot twist in a game Mm -hmm. so a game has a certain trajectory it's going a certain way maybe someone has a board wipe maybe not if a board wipe is guaranteed then I just think the game gets boring uh, and it drags and uh, and so I prefer board wipes to be a maybe and having only one or two in your deck makes it that, so having only, running only one or two board wipes in your deck means that when they do happen, um, it's kind of like, oh damn, he had a board wipe. Okay. Uh, the board is reset and we're going to get another chance to build up and and see what we can do. But if I ran four board wipes in this deck with the amount of cards that I draw in this flicker deck, Mm -hmm. uh, you guys could pretty much guarantee that I'm going to be wiping the board. Yeah. And that, Gets boring and drags a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that more than two board wipes is not conducive to a fun game. Uh, it, it is conducive to a longer game, mm-hmm. and that is the opposite of fun.
1: Not for everybody, but for most people, definitely are playgroups. Yeah, so this
0: this is definitely uh, where it gets playgroup specific. Yes. I, I can see... Uh, certain play groups playing three to four board wipes. I can see why that's in the generic composition. For our play group, I would say I would advise people to run one or two and no more than that because I don't want to be sitting there playing magic all day.
1: Okay, I agree, except from I do think it should be two. I don't really see the point, ironically in a deck that's made up entirely of individual cards in having one of any type of card. I don't think that makes any sense. Don't get me wrong, you'll have cards that do, uh, like finishers, for example, or cards that definitely win you the game. You'll probably, let's say you have five, and th- that isn't on this list, I'm just making that number up. Um, those five things will win you the game in different ways. I don't think you would have five things that win you the game in the same way. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if there'd be any point in having one. Mm. No, I don't. I don't think there'd be any point in having one finisher.
0: That's fair. Uh, And actually, even in my aggressive decks, uh, I can think of two board wipes that are in. So I would say two.
1: Yeah, I think one of anything just doesn't make sense. But I do agree, maybe specifically for our play group, uh, but in general, because I think who's going to be happy with having to reset their board two or three times? Mm -hmm. And typically, Commander is multiplayer, so if you've got... Well, if we have everybody, we have seven, not that we play seven games because we would never stop. But if you have four or five players and everybody has four gold wipes, the game would never end.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So I think two is where you should sit.
0: Board wipes are also quite polarizing when it comes to the colors. Yes. Um, so board wipes in red tend to do a certain amount of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them do lots, some of them do, do less. Uh, and if they don't do enough damage, they may not actually wipe the board, yeah. Uh, but they tend to be focused on dealing damage. Um, board wipes in blue usually will bounce everything back to players' hands, like mm-hmm. Cyclonic Rift, yes. For example, um, or Flood of Tears. They'll, they'll put all permanents back to players' hands. They don't destroy anything. They just bounce it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, white and black are. Far and away, the best colours for board wipes. Yeah. Um, white is actually the best mono colour for board wipes. Yes, it is. Yeah, there's all loads of different destroy all creatures um, effects or destroy all permanents effects in white. Uh, so white is the strongest with board wipes. Um, black is also very good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and green is the weakest colour when it comes to board wipes.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking. I don't think like on the off the top of my head I can't think of a green spell that board wipes there definitely is but I can think of ones that do that for all the other four colors
0: so there is a single card that I can think of in green which makes x tokens where x is the number of um creatures on the battlefield, Mm -hmm. and then each of those tokens fights on the creature, yeah. Uh, So that's a kind of mass fight, Mm
1: -hmm. uh,
0: which is an option. Uh, And there are a couple of cards in green that deal X damage to all flying creatures, and so they can wipe all flying creatures. Uh, But the reason for this is that green is a very creature-heavy colour, and so board wipes are less good yeah, in green, yeah, but yeah but um, I think that's it. You're, you're less likely to want to board wipe in green. Uh, and green makes... So you board wipe as a defensive measure. Yeah. Uh, but green is quite an, a big, aggressive, and can be very defensive with big B for creatures or lots of tokens. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a very creature-heavy colour. And so you just... Uh, that's how it, it shores up that weakness. You, yeah. you don't, If you're playing green, you can do lots of things that mean that you don't need to board wipe as often.
1: Yeah, you're less worried about other people's boards in the typical sense of board wiping for creatures yeah. because you're going to have the most creatures more than likely. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then... So the last one of this first section, because we've split into two sections, um, is simply lands. I don't think we say too much about this The guide is 35 to 38, I've got 36 in Taser. Uh, that's a two colour deck. I don't know if the more colours, the more land, or maybe just the more dual land you want.
0: Um, So I run 37 in Rune, Mm -hmm. uh, which does fit into this composition, and I go for a slightly higher land count because I am in green in this deck and I have Mm -hmm. cards that will search lands out of my library and put them into play yeah so if you're playing a deck which has uh, which lets you play multiple lands from your library and put them on the battlefield then you can have a slightly higher land count yeah um because it's kind of fitting into your ramp uh if you're playing a deck that has less like so, your Taster deck is in black and white, yeah. And so having more lands is just a disadvantage because you can't play more than one attack. Yes, yeah. Um, so if your if your ramp is coming from like artifacts and things like that and mana rocks, uh, then you do not want to have too many lands. Yeah. So yeah, I think that thirty seven is a pretty nice spot. I would definitely go as high as thirty eight uh, in certain decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think that in Commander you can get away with more lands. If somebody wanted to play, like, I, I think I would say 36 to 40. Okay. So The command zone have said 35 to 38. I think that that works if you have quite an expensive deck um, and you're playing cards that are more efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that in a more casual setting and for more budget decks, I would advise 36 to 40.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, So the next section is ones that are more specific to uh, your deck. So there is still a number, but I don't think we'll be able to talk about the colour pie in relation to those. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the first one on that list is standalone, which, if I remember correctly, is either, as it sounds, cards that just work by themselves or cards that work really well with your commander. And they have said 25 for that.
0: Yes. So the command zone have have said that you should have twenty five cards in your deck that work as standalone. Mm-hmm. I e, they are good cards by themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could play them and they will do something good. Yeah. Um, creatures are much more likely to be standalone cards uh, because them just being a creature develops your board. Yes. And does something. Um, and so, for a card to be classified as standalone, in my opinion, it has to either be good enough to play by itself or be effective in synergy with your commander mm-hmm. because you always have access to your commander. Yes. And so, if a card only works with your commander, well, that's okay because you'll always, you'll have, always a have a commander. Yeah. Uh, so, I run a lot... Well, my number is a little bit higher. Um, in my rune... Flicker deck, I have 31 cards that I would consider standalone cards, Mm i.e. I I could just play them and they would do something good all by themselves um, and they're just good they're perfectly good magic cards Um, What about your Taser deck? So
1: Taser is a little low Um, it's 19 but I want to bring up the next one Mm -hmm. because I kind of think it makes sense as to why this is, the next one is Enhancers and they say you should have 10 to 12 of those. And that is basically things that are enhanced by, or that help enhance the way your deck works, enhance what your commander does, right?
0: Yes, enhancers make your game plan
1: better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have 29 of those. So they say 10 to 12, I have 29. And to give a, a really simple example with Taser, I'm gonna use afterlife. Well, I'm gonna use death effects, but I'm gonna talk about afterlife. So. My 19 standalone. Most of those are afterlife creatures because one is creature like you said. I haven't included all my creatures in this standalone, but they work by themselves. By them dying, I get one or two, or well, doubled by taser tokens. Um, Enhancers is something like cruel celebrant, which is something happens when another creature dies. Yeah. So it doesn't happen. Actually, cool it might be itself and another creature, but just for this example, another creature has to die. So that doesn't do anything unless there's another creature on the battlefield. So it still works with my commander because it's a death effect, but it only works if there's another creature for it to trigger versus a creature that just has an afterlife effect by itself.
0: Yep, and for the Flicker deck, um, it's actually really high for me as well. So Command Zone give us 10 to 12 as the goal for enhancers. Mm -hmm. I count 27. Um, and that is because any spell that flickers a creature, I see it as an enhancer. Yeah. Because what my deck does is ETB effects. Mm-hmm. So anything that has an enter, any creature or permanent that has an enter the battlefield effect is p- a standalone card. Yeah. Any card that lets me abuse those ETB effects by doing it multiple times um, is an enhancer. Things mm-hmm. like Yorian, things like Ephemerate. Uh, Things like Panharmonicon, which doubles all of my ETB effects. Uh, Thassa. um, Those are all enhancers, and I have 27 of those in my deck.
1: Yep. So I think we've picked our strongest decks, but I think it's interesting that they both kind of are around the same. You have a lot more standalone, actually. But I I think the enhancers is quite low at 10 to 12 from the command zone. But maybe that's just the decks that I...
0: Well, I think that that it's... So, things have changed here. Um, To begin with, we were talking about ramp, card advantage, single target removal, board wipes, and lands, Mm -hmm. which is your deck composition, and and those are the various different roles that your cards can fill, and you have to find a balance in all of those because there is a lot less crossover. Mm -hmm. However, with... Um, this section we're talking about here, we're talking about standalone cards, which are just good by themselves. Mm -hmm. Enhancers, which make your deck better or are made better by your deck.
1: Um,
0: And then enablers, which are usually defensive cards that shore up your weaknesses Mm -hmm. and let you or help you execute execute your game plan. So they're not part of your game plan, but they help you get there. Things like board wipes. Yeah. um, Or maybe life gain.
1: Um, or protection.
0: Protection. That kind of, yeah. yeah. Uh, they enable you to execute your game plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the three sections here. And I think that it's really important to note that this is completely separate from the five categories that we've discussed yeah. before. Yeah, the top
1: part that we talked about is your generic guide for building a commander deck. Mm-hmm. You could just do that and your deck would... Mm, no, that's not entirely true. But yeah, that's a generic guide. And then the next section is... Think maybe a lot more fluid I'm gonna use as a word.
0: I would say that um, I would use them as a target. So the first part of this uh, this template, ramp card advantage, removal, board wipes, lands, that is a guide for how your cards should be split. Mm-hmm. The second part, standalone enhancers, enablers, those are goals. You want to have at least 25 standalone good cards, at least 12 enhancers and at least 8 enablers mm-hmm. um, and usually you can use if you're clever with your card choices you can pick cards that tick uh, 1 or 2 sometimes even all 3 of those categories and you can ramp up your numbers that way yeah. so for example um, I've got a card here that's in my Flickr deck called Charming Prince mm-hmm. it's 1 and a white for a 2-2 human noble and it reads when Charming Prince enters the battlefield choose 1 scry 2 You gain three life Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or exile another target creature you own, return it to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. So uh, this is a standalone good card because I can play it and I can scry two with nothing else on the battlefield and it gives me some advantage and it's a two two. Mm -hmm. So it's standalone good card. Yeah, it's an enhancer because it I can play it and I can use its ability to flicker something else which means that it improves all of my ETB effects. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is an enabler because it is a blocker and it can gain me three life. Yeah. And so it's one card that ticks all three boxes.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Another example is uh, Night of Autumn, which is actually very, very similar. But... Uh, it's one and a green and a white for a two one mm-hmm. uh dryad knight which reads when knight of autumn enters the battlefield choose one put two one one counters on night of autumn destroy target artifact or enchantment or you gain four life
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so um if i play this and put two counters on it it's a standalone card yeah um, it's a, a three mana four three um and it's fine you know it, it's it's good enough um, if I choose to destroy an artifact or enchantment, it's an enabler. Mm-hmm. Because that artifact or enchantment was getting likely interfering with my game plan in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it could be a standalone card if it's got that removal on it. But yeah. it is normally removal, I would consider an enabler. And then I gain, gain four life and make a 2-1 blocker. That is an enabler as well. Mm-hmm. So this is one card that fits two of the categories.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I think that these categories... Um, what you want to aim for is actually having as high numbers as possible mm-hmm. uh, because the more different roles that your cards can fulfill in these three categories standalone, enhancers, and enablers mm-hmm. the better. Yeah. So, in my Flickr deck, for example, I count 31 standalone cards, 27 enhancers, and 11 enablers, mm-hmm. which is. Higher than what the command zone recommend in Mm -hmm. every respect. Yeah, Um, and if I could find another card that was standalone and an enhancer and an enabler, it would probably go straight in.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. There'd be no reason not to put a card like that in. Mm -hmm. So the last one on the list is theme cards, Um, and the command zone have said thirty for this. Theme cards are cards that are in theme for your commander deck. So. Depending on your deck, I feel like aside from lands and removal and things like that, it would be all of them. Like if you were in a tribal deck, for example, like Grin and Seri, that probably is a really high number of theme cards because it's a tribal deck and it's all cat dogs. No,
0: I think that's the point. Actually, so you think that's uh, you think that's high, thirty? No,
1: I think thirty low.
0: Oh right, um, yeah, well, I can ag- I agree with that. I think thirty is kind of um maybe a minimum uh i think this is playgroup dependent as well actually um i think that the command zone are choosing 30 because they tend to play with more expensive decks which are more efficient um and you but know do you think it, they've
1: targeted the, the do you think the video is based on their decks or based in general
0: i would say in general but high budget okay yeah, I would say that if you if budget weren't a concern, then I could understand 30 cards on theme.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but I think for a cheaper deck, you probably... I think you can get away with 30. I think you can get away with 30. I think 30 is fine. So if you're playing a tribal deck, mm-hmm. um, 30 creatures of that tribe. Or... Th- or th- no, not even 30 creatures of that tribe. 30 cards that care about the tribe that yeah. you're playing. If you're playing a... So I'm uh, in my Flickr deck, I have 39 cards that either um have etbs or care about etbs in some way Mm -hmm. um in a landfall deck you want to have at least 30 cards that care about landfall in some way either they let you play extra lands or they have abilities that trigger when you play lands so just related Mm -hmm. to the theme if you're playing a one like a um A token making deck, then you want 30 cards that either make tokens or make your. let's just say tokens somewhere on the card, you know?
1: Yeah, so for Taser, I have 40, and I guess the word there would probably be dies, as in when this creature dies or when another creature dies, Mm -hmm. you get this thing because Taser's. one of Taser's abilities is she doubles all the death triggers, and another one of her abilities is that she gives tokens, uh, vigilance and lifelink. So the top on theme card for me would be an off-life creature because it dies, I get a token or however many tokens but I get double those amount of tokens because of Taser, and because it's a token that then gives me a creature with Vigilance and Life Link. Yeah. So I have 40, I don't know if I said that. I've got 40 in Taser. So yeah, similar to you. And I, I think, yeah, maybe the more, I don't know, maybe the more specific your theme, the higher the number.
0: I think it depends. Like, I think if you run three or four tutors in your deck which top decks will do Mm. then you can get away with a lot less cards on theme that's Um, fair and you know just a lot less of everything like you could take out uh, a board wipe a piece of removal and a um i don't know a, a ramp spell and replace them with because one tutor and then put two win cons into your deck yeah but, uh, so yeah if you have yeah, access the to powerful tutors yeah. yeah if you have more money to spend on your decks then i think you can get away with less mm-hmm. uh cards on theme because you just have a more efficient deck but generally uh i think that cards on theme if you can keep it at about 30 and your deck can work it is probably best to go for that and then use the other so like, let's say i've got Another nine slots Mm -hmm. um, to play with. Just generic good cards can go in those nine slots. Things like uh, in in my Bant deck, which is blue, green, and white, um, a really good ramp spell, a really powerful counter spell, Cyclonic Rift. um, I can't think of any powerful white spells. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh,
1: Gideon Sacrifice. Yeah. Best spell in the game.
0: Um, So you could, yeah, if I could take out nine, enter the battlefield themed cards mm-hmm. and put in nine just really powerful cards, I would do that. Because I still have enough Enter the Battlefield effects for that to be the running theme of the deck. Mm-hmm. But the deck would probably be stronger for the nine super powerful cards that I came that I put in. If you don't have any more super powerful cards to put into your deck, then just put in theme cards.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I disagree with that, but I think you kind of saved it at the end there. I think if within reason the more super powerful cards you can put in your deck, the better it will be until it becomes a deck full of just super powerful cards that doesn't do anything else. Well, that's exactly it, yeah. (laughs) But I think, I I don't know if I would want to take 10 theme cards out of Taser and replace them with 10 generically good cards. No,
0: nor would I. And that's a playgroup thing. Yeah. Um, I think that for the casual player, um, have as many cards on theme as you want. Uh, but if you are looking at strictly improving your decks, then you could probably cut down to about 30 cards on theme mm. and replace the rest with just generically powerful magic cards.
1: Depends on the theme as well. Because the ideal scenario, like we've said, is that it would do more than one of those things. Like those 40 cards that are on theme are not just just on theme. They do other things as well. So there's a card that... I have to sacrifice a creature but i get to draw two cards so that hits multiple boxes because i'm in a sacrifice deck yes so yeah i don't i
0: well cards on theme is is separate to everything else as well so ramp card advantage removal, board wipes, and lands, Mm -hmm. that's one category of, like, all of your cards should fit into one of those.
1: Mm, Not all of your cards.
0: No, that's right, not all of them. Because
1: that's what I went to say earlier, and then was like, because that's what I was going to say, I was like, oh, that's the basis of your deck, and I think it is the basis of your deck, but your deck wouldn't work just like that, because the thing that's missing is the next section, which is what your deck actually is. Your deck needs ramp spells, card advantage, target removal, board wipes, and obviously lands. That does not make your deck work, though.
0: No, but I think you could add uh, a single condition to this list to make it work, and that's win cons. Like, a a good deck, all a good deck needs is ramp, card advantage, removal, board wipes, lands, and a way to win. That could be creatures, it could be something else. Yeah, okay,
1: I was going to say, but again, you've saved it, win cons in the generic sense as opposed to this one card will win me the game. Because I think they're different things.
0: Oh well, y- yeah, yeah. Because I think I, what you're I, I talking you about. Need, no, I, I, but I don't think there are really. I don't think there are any cards that are like, oh, this one card will win me the game. Like, uh, Craterhoof Behemoth is a notorious win con, but it doesn't work unless you've got other creatures.
1: Yeah, so that's that's the thing that's missing. So I don't know if I don't know if win con is the best generic way to describe that section. I think. Mm. Because I think it's just it's what makes your deck actually do a thing. Because if you can ramp and draw cards and removing things is irrelevant of your deck. But what are you ramping and drawing into if you have nothing to play?
0: Exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, cards on theme, I would say 30 to 40 is probably about normal. Mm. Um, for a casual deck, if you have 40 cards on theme, I think that's probably more likely to... like. I think you're going to see about 40 cards on theme in more casual decks. I can see cutting that um, for just generically really powerful cards if you have the dollar to spend Hmm. on them. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I think 30 to 40 cards on theme is about what you'd expect.
1: Okay. Uh, And that's the end of the list. So that is everything that uh, the Command Zone says makes up the generic composition of a deck. Our thoughts on it. Do you have anything else?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think in summary, what I would say, uh, my adjusted EDH deck template is, is 10 to 12 ramp spells, 12 to 15 card advantage sources, 10 to 12 targeted removal, two board wipes, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: maybe three. Mm -hmm. Um, 36 to 40 lands and then at least 25 standalone good cards Mm -hmm. at least 12 enhancers, at least 8 enablers and at least 30 cards on theme Mm -hmm. Um, and of those final four the more you can get the better yeah Um, but those first five it's about finding a balance Mm -hmm. a balance for all all of them because you've got a what you've got to remember is uh you know something like growth spiral that is ramp and card advantage yeah if you cast it you are drawing a card and playing a land so it is both yeah but if you have a card that is either ramp or card advantage Mm -hmm. then you want to worry a little bit like let's say you've got uh you want 12 ramp sources and 10 card advantage. Mm-hmm. So you've got 10 cards in your deck that either ramp you or give you card advantage. Yeah. Actually, that would probably work fine. Um, <laughs> and if you can do that, you should, because that just means you can do what. Oh, what? You 10 want.
1: that do both? Uh, yeah, I was well, yeah gonna that, say... that would be. Well, that, I think the ideal yeah, is that would be perfect. the more things, that, a card that does more, as the two cards that you brought up were essentially the same thing of when they come in pick one of these three effects and you pick the one that you need at the time. Yeah, That's the most ideal thing. That's one of the reasons I like um, the adventure cards from Eldrain so much, because it mm-hmm. gives you more than one option. So I just think in general, this is a guide, but if you can make all of your cards, which you won't, but if you can make all of your cards, do all of those things on each card, then you've probably got the best deck ever.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, so final notes then, overlap in card rolls is really, really good mm-hmm. and uh overlap can be partial as well so if you have a single card and all it does is partially ramps you as in it puts land into your hand or something but doesn't quite ramp you that's not really any good but if you have a card that gives you card advantage and partially contributes to removal maybe i don't know um that yeah, that, that that can be good. Mm-hmm. So you want as much overlap as possible, but overlap does not have to be completely objective. Something can be partial card advantage and a ramp spell, and that can be really good as well. Yep. So those are things to look out for. The more overlap that you, you have, the more your cards can do, the better um, and the higher your deck will score. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that takes us to the end, I think, of the episode. So let us know if you have a look at your favourite EDH deck, whether it complies with the generic composition that we've just put together. Yep. Um, let us know if you disagree with anything that we've said or if it runs differently in your play group. because, of course, we're basing this off of our own experience and our own playgroup. Mm-hmm. So uh, do share with us your thoughts. And with that, we're going to close off and we will catch you next week on the next episode of Chatterstorm.
1: Hopefully with all three members. Okay, welcome to Chatterstorm, podcast with... Sarah Steele, pet detective. Oh
0: God, that was a horrible and unidentifiable
1: accent. Yeah, because it's Sarah Steele's voice.
0: (laughs) Sarah Steele isn't from any one place. She transcends physical location.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're jealous. Okay.
0: Okay, ready?
1: Ready. There's water here, by the way.
0: Thank you. Welcome to Chatterstorm.